uh, this uh, good morning, bye. Uh, this is uh, episode two of the Dobbs decision, the war on abortion drugs. And uh, well, today is Sunday, August the seventh, I believe. And uh, because uh, there's a lot of people going to the churches today, so I feel a little bit uh, intimidated to talk about today's topic. Because it has quite a bit with the religion. Uh, I'm very agnostic. I don't belong to any church ever. I don't intend to. And uh, my uh, my lawyer friend, who is a Jewish, who is also an atheist, he has predicted I will be burning in hell or be burned on a stake by the United States government. After all, the FBI have searched my house. So it's just a matter of time. Right. So anyway, so today I'm going to talk about the war on abortion drugs. Uh, it's separate by four sections. First one is introduction. It's about the Christian teaching of abstinence versus the pursuit of happiness in the Declaration of Independence. And the second segment, I'm going to talk about the uh, the, the war on, on drugs in general. And the third uh, section I'm going to talk about is called the equal, uh, sorry, unequal access to drugs. And then I'm going to conclude in the last section with a conclusion about the Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby is a controversial decision too, and it's also authored by, you guess whom, Justice Samuel Alito. And uh, Hobby Lobby is about contraception. It's also abortion related. So I'll get started with introduction. Okay. So as we know, the pursuit of happiness is literally written in the, in the Declaration of Independence. However, in the Christian teaching, there is a word called abstinence, A-B-S-T-I-N-E-N-C-E, right? When, when you go to a Christian church, when it talks about sex, to the, especially to the children, what the church's teaching will be. S say no to premarital sex. Abstinence, right? What about the alcohol? I'm pretty sure a lot of the church's teaching is that do use alcohol. And when it comes to drugs, of course, no drugs. And the when it comes to abortion, boy, abortion is strictly prohibited, right? So a lot of this stuff, uh, but to me, use of alcohol is a pursuit of happiness, right? Use of marijuana, you know, having sex, and, uh, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, use uh, some other uh, stronger drugs, such as cocaine, fentanyl. These are all kind of a pursuit of happiness, right? You know, by the Constitution, if you're not causing any trouble to other people, usually these are not crimes. But of course, we all know in this country, we used to ban alcohol for some 12 years. It's called a prohibition, right? That is totally a law coming from the Christian teaching of not use alcohol. And it does not work well. And uh, later on, we have a war on drugs. How does that work? Probably not that well either. 
but I will still want to go back to the religious teaching. You know, I want to be a little bit equal opportunity criticizer of organized religion. You know, really in religious teachings of all kinds, there will be something they actually not to do. Like for the Hindus, you cannot eat cows. Cows are sacred animals. In the Muslim teaching, you cannot eat pigs. Pigs are dirty animals, right? Uh, I do not know what you cannot eat uh, in the Christian teaching because I'm not into any of those religious teachings anyway. I eat, I eat pork and I eat beef, you know. I start not eating them for health reasons and not because religious reasons. So to me, you know, as, I, as a lot of people have already suspected, the Dobbs decision is not rooted in the constitution. It's really rooted, you know, in some kind of religious teaching and, uh, you know, issued by a handful of a mostly white Christian elitists for their religion favoring Christian teachings. Okay. You know, so I want to go back to this uh, situation where, you know, you know, from the most recent manufactured fad is that Chinese are the threat to the United States. That it used to be Muslims. A lot of those so-called conservative, I don't consider them conservative, by the way. I consider them a white Christian nationalist. They keep, you know, airing this kind of a manufactured fad that uh, Muslim is about to implement Sharia law in the United States. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. It's Sharia, I don't even know this is such a thing called the Sharia law, S-H-A-R-I-A. And all the folks, uh, those uh, Christian nationalists on the mainstream media just saying, oh, Muslims are about to conquer the United States and implement Sharia law, which is a major no-no to them. But however, as we all know, this, this country has been ruled by pretty much Christian laws, especially from this recent ruling in the Dobbs versus Jackson. Yeah, so, 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 and I even remember when Obama is running for the president, there's even rumors that Obama is a Muslim. And John McCain actually, uh, you know, stopped those nuts saying, no, no, Obama is a Christian. Well, that, that's a very nice thing for him to do. But however, my question back then, this is back in 2008, my question is to, to them is this, What's wrong with being a Muslim and run for the president of the United States? Isn't that true so far? Each president of the United States is a Christian, no other than Christian, not even a Jew. Ask Bernie Sanders. Can he really be a president of the United States? Should he even bother to run for the president? Because he's not really a Christian, right? So. So, so to me, the white Christian nationalists have always had this constant narrative of enemies because of these people are, have a different religion from different cultural background, from different race. They keep talking of those threats against the United States to their white Christian religion that they, they totally disregard 
that in the past, the entire continent of Africa and the entire continent of America are victims of the colonialist Christian rule for centuries. That's Christian law. That is not constitution of the United States. The constitution of the United States is very, very special. The pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right given by your creator. The constitution did not say that creator is Jesus Christ. It just says it's creator of yourself. You have the sovereign rights, in, inherent sovereign rights to pursue happiness, right? The reason I want to talk about this is this. When you talk about alcohol, as we all know, it's also in the, in the, in the church's teaching. If you consume too much alcohol, you may get involved with the sexual intercourse. Now, that is just a fact, right? Both actions are pursuit of happiness. If you smoke marijuana or cocaine, you may get involved in the sexual act too. All these are pursuit of happiness. And I have brought up this question before in my prior episode. Is abortion drugs a happiness medicine? I would say yes. If a woman agreed to engage in sexual activities after using alcohol, which is legal, or even the smoke of a cigarette, which is also legal, cigarette is also a drug, or even by drinking a coffee, or cocaine, or marijuana, and she agreed to have sex, and she got, no, her eggs got fertilized. Is abortion drugs become another happiness drug? I would say yes. And can the state ban that because the state have, must ban abortion? Yes, there will be the questions. Once again, all these pursuits of happiness are literally prohibited, disencouraged by the church, but it is not prohibited. It should not be prohibited, prohibited by law. As long as not, you are not going out there raping a woman, as long as you are not there stealing other people's property to fulfill your drug habits, right? In other words, I feel, I feel perfectly fine with a Hunter Biden going out there, you know, smoke cocaine, crack cocaine with the hookers and know that he has all the rights to pursue his happiness. It is guaranteed by the constitution. However, tax evasion, I'm not sure because uh, as we know, Al Capone, the famous uh, Chicago mob, he was not caught by uh, murdering someone. He was caught by evading taxes. So we will see whether Hunter Biden can pull this off or not. So going back to the church, church uh, uh, religious teaching, in a case 75 years ago called the Everson versus the Board of Education of Irving Township, the Supreme Court has said there should be a high and impregnable wall between the church and the state. Not my words, the word quote, high and impregnable wall between the church and the state. The Dobbs decision, I read it all over again. It just sounds like it's a bunch of, a handful of a Christian zealots, I think is the proper word, really want to impose their value to the rest of the country, regardless what the Declaration of Independence says, 
regardless what the constitution says. Basically, the church, in my opinion, the church must not be allowed to rape the government and impregnate the government. The church's teaching must be strictly separated from our laws, from our government, and from our courts. So that, in a nutshell, is the introduction. The second one, I'm talking about the, the war on drugs. The wars on drugs, as we all know, we know it does not work too well. I was not even here when war on drugs, I was still back in China. I, I came to the United States in 1990. So uh, the most famous saying in war on drugs is, uh, is by Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan's come up with this slogan. It's just, uh, I think it's just say no. Just read these words, three words, just say no. It's a slogan of abstinence, like church's teaching. It's not based by, by, on any law. Just like just say no to sex. Just say no to alcohol. Just say no to drugs. Right? I, I learned about more about drugs actually through a very accidental experience. In 2015, I'm a very much a law and order kind of guy, but in 2015, I ended up having to work in Boston. Uh, uh, so I have to rent a room from a couple in Boston, Massachusetts. And it happened that uh, the husband works uh, pretty high up in the Veterans Medical Research Center there. And uh, his wife is a nursing professor. And the husband is a doctor and he teaches in a university in Boston. So we talked a lot during the dinner time about you know, various things. One thing is about the drugs. Now this doctor and, and his wife, a nurse, a nurse, a nursing professor, taught me quite a bit. You know, he told me that Peter, all these drugs, they are, you know, they are harmless if they are used under the guidance of a physician or a doctor. People get depressed, so they use those drugs. They use alcohol for the same reason. They smoke cigarette for the same reason. Marijuana is no more dangerous than alcohol. And in their opinion, and I agree with them, of course, after they taught me clinically speaking, these are nothing horribly wrong. After I taught them, you know, they said literally these marijuana, these cocaine, fentanyl, all those stuff, the pain, these are all pain management medications. They said they should be properly procured, manufactured, quality assured, procured and dispensed from a pharmacy or hospital under the guidance of a physician. If you do that, not only the government can collect taxes, just like government collect taxes from other pharmaceutical product, the most important thing is this, they will not be this expensive on the street because the drugs are made illegal for no good reason. Dealing over those drugs, making those drugs, getting money for those drugs just become extremely risky. And when, when any business comes with a risk, and unjustified risk, the price of those drugs become unreasonably high. And then you've got this vicious cycle of crimes associated with 
drug use. You know, what he's telling me is that, you know, if we can do this in an organized way, there will be no such thing as a killing for, you know, two ounces of a cocaine, you know, because probably two ounces of cocaine is probably five bucks copay at best. So all these drug, in, uh, war on drugs initiative is a complete waste of money. And I learned from, by, you know, clinically know what it is. I was like, yeah, that, that sounds more to me. Any war on drugs is just another way for the government to make itself more powerful, more authority. When pe what people is doing is just pursuing their happiness. Right? So war on drugs, in my opinion, in general, is a practically a stupidity at best, or at worst. And it is in the contrary to the Declaration of Independence that there is an inherent right to pursue happiness. If that happiness is just get some relief from your daily stress by using marijuana, which is clinically proven not anything more vicious than a, a, a bottle of a vodka, then possession of marijuana and consumption of marijuana should not be a federal crime which currently it still is, right? So the bottom line is this, this whole drugs on war just gives so much power and money to the police, to the courts. It's this three branch of government literally work together to infringe upon the inherent privilege and the rights of the citizens of the United States. Right, not to you know drag on too more, but I will just talk about the prohibition in the United States, a national, a nationwide constitutional ban on production, importation, transportation, and sale of alcoholic beverage from 1920 to 1933. Think about it. A nationwide constitutional ban. What part of the ban is constitutional? I don't see it, right? And the reality is that at the very end, the US government give up. No more prohibition. Alcohol is okay. But in these 13 years, what we do know is this. What happened is the mafia thrives because alcohol become illegal, then only the criminal is gonna deal with that business. And also the government corruption. Right? You know, the police, they work with the mobs, you know, to get their cut for this kind of legal, legal stuff. Same thing with the uh, current wars on drugs. So because whether you are in a communist China or Russia or anywhere else, when a government put out a law, a regulation, guess what? Criminals always know how to go around it. Okay, I will give you another example, more reason. As we know, as soon as the Russia invade, start invading Ukraine, the president of Ukraine issued a decree that no man between age 17 to 65, I believe there's an age range, are allowed to leave Ukraine during the war. Why? Because the Ukraine needs to uh, draft them to fight the war. 
But you will find on YouTube, a lot of YouTubers, they, they, will, they will report it, but the mainstream media will not report it. Is that they have seen a lot of Ukrainian men, strong and young, in Poland, in Czechoslovakia, in Germany, in UK. How, they, how do they get to outside Ukraine? By bribery, right? You come, you're a Ukrainian man, you come to the border, the border guard stop you, say you cannot leave, give him some money, US dollars or whatever. That's how it goes. It doesn't matter where, which country you're in. When there is a law, criminals always know how to get around with it. We, you know, we, we can you know, go a little bit, use our own example during the Vietnam War, the Vietnam draft. It's mandatory. Who hates the most? The white people. Can white people get away from it? Of course. Sweden and Canada is the two most favorite destination for draft dodgers. Okay, I think Trump is one of those draft dodgers. So is Bill Clinton. I'm pretty sure Joe Biden is also a draft dodger. It's always those powerful white person who can get away from this kind of unlawful laws. So, you know, we're gonna talk about, uh, so this is the second segment I wanna talk about, war on drugs. And uh, the next segment, the third segment I wanna talk about is unequal access to these drugs. Whether it's in a criminal, illegal sense or whether it's in a legal sense. I have, I have said in the, Past, uh, last episode of the Dobbs decision episode that I consider abortion is just a medical service that women are receiving, right? They, they are not some criminal activities. And it's extremely private matter. That includes the, this woman's last menstrual period, the gestational age of the fetus. All these are private conversation, are private activity. That under HIPAA, any state government is off limit. You know, I'll give you another example. Again, I'm going back to the religion. Again, today is Sunday, so I think I will definitely be burned in hell after this episode. Is that if a woman come to his priest, her priest, and confess that she had a, a late-term abortion in Mississippi, is that a crime? If that's a crime, is that priest obligated under law to report to the state authority of Mississippi to prosecute her? And what if the priest that did not report, does not report to the state of Mississippi? Is he become a aider and abater of this woman's crime, a mother? So the communication between the priest and uh, his, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what's the name of it, patrons, I guess his name, are entirely confidential, off the limits of the government. What about the communication and the activity and the records between a physician and his, his or her patient? So now I'm going to talk about unequal access to drugs. This is my theory, which I learned recently. Because I talked to a African-American woman who is an expert 
in mental health counseling. He's, she's based in West Virginia. And you know, the recent conversation I had with her is basically, you know, she learned from her lines of business. She, she has two lines of business. One is a mental health counseling for African-Americans. 75% of her clients are African-Americans in West Virginia. And one line of mental health counseling is about domestic violence, victims of domestic violence. Another line of her business of mental health counseling is mental health counseling for those African-Americans who has an unstable mental health state due to the prolonged racial discrimination they have experienced. So think about it. If you look at the Native Americans and African-Americans, these are the two groups in most need of, a, I call that happiness substances, right? These group of people who for centuries, generations by generations were oppressed by this so-called, I call the white majoritarian democracy. Their land were taken, the labor were exploited, the promise to them, in the, in the form of a treaties with the Native Americans. And this thing called a, a, a four, 40 acres, uh, one mule promise, they're all broken, right? They have every reason to feel depressed. So these group, two groups are the mo in most need of, uh, I call happiness substances, being weed, being tobacco, being alcohol, being cocaine, whatever it is. Because the U.S. government has inflicted irreversible damages. And, you know, as I said in one of the episodes, I said, the racial oppression in this white majoritarian democracy is not an accident at all, as that law professor Amy Wax of the University of Pennsylvania has said. It is a totally an organized crime by three branches of the white majoritarian democracy. So to, to me, the mental health counseling and maybe some marijuana is probably required by Native, for Native Americans and the Blacks. But, but you can think about it. During the war on drugs, who get locked up the most? Well, maybe for the Native Americans, if they do, it, do their thing in on their reservations, by the, by the way, I have said, reservation is one of the four landmarks of a white privilege in America. Probably the Native Americans can get away of using marijuana. Now, it may be okay for them to sell marijuana on their reservation. But a lot of African Americans was locked up, right? The crack cocaine that the Hunter Biden enjoyed so much is purportedly 100 times worse than regular powder cocaine, right? The sheer procession of those things will lock you up for what, 10 years? So the whole thing about war on drugs is a complete sham. In fact, the government need not to, you know, the, 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 we the people should not allow government to have this much power regulating happiness substances. They should be regulated, 
right? Professional, like physicians, right? I, I'm willing to say if this is that if a doctor is allowed to pre, uh, prescribe cocaine and uh, some other psychosis drugs and all that, those his patient need to uh, he need to notify the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, Arms and Tobacco Bureau, his ATB. The, the federal about the if this uh, patient has uh, firearms in his or her possession, because I do believe firearms must be separated from those who are taking mental health medications. I'm willing to go far as that about Second Amendment, but I will say it's about time to think about these war on happiness substances is illegal because pursuit of happiness. Like what Hunter Biden did is completely legal under the Declaration of Independence in our Constitution. As long as Hunter Biden did not pull a gun and shoot someone to get money to buy crack cocaine. So now let's talk about women. So women are the sole consumer of abortion drugs. If the state must, for a state to ban abortions, it must ban abortion drugs. Now, remember my last episode, as I've said, the state have to effectively violating HIPAA to evidentially ascertain the gestational age of a fetus to meet the viability standard set by the state. They have to do that first. Now, after they did that, after they can legally do that, they have to ban abortion drugs. I'm pretty sure some of the abortion drugs work wonders. Right? As a part of the whole process for women to pursue happiness, to have sex, and sometimes get pregnant in an unplanned way. Obtaining abortion drugs is a part of the pursuit of happiness. And how can we stop that? I don't think we can. Unless the state make those abortion drugs illegal, just like the, gov the federal government making marijuana illegal and make cocaine illegal. Right? So, so that, in a nutshell, is the third segment I want to talk about. And the last segment of the topic is the conclusion. I want to compare this to Hobby Lobby, which, in which Alito is also the author of the majority, majority opinion, compared to Dobbs' decision. Again, I'm going to mix the religion into this a little bit. In Hobby Lobby, again, because I'm not a lawyer, I can only you know, quickly take a quick review of what this is about and all that. Because uh, this particular show is really about the racial injustice that are embedded in this uh, English law imported from a single race society in Great Britain to a multiracial society called America. So, so, so uh, I, I, I mean, I usually don't get involved with this abortion thing, but, but, but this is the one exception. So in Hobby Lobby, the a leader, a majority, majority says that the federal, when federal government requires private employers to provide contraception coverage to their employees, when the government requires 
private employer to do that, that violated a federal law called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. When there is a, a less restrictive alternative available to the government. So in a nutshell, in the Hobby Lobby decision, the Supreme Court basically saying, for the Christian belief, okay, remember this Hobby Lobby is a Christian group, not a Muslim group, not some Hindu group, you know, banning eating of beef, not some Muslim group banning eating of pork. Okay, this is for a Christian belief that there must be maximum freedom allowed for the Christian believers when they do not believe in contraception. This is not abortion yet, this is a contraception. Now, to that decision, my question is this, my, this is always my worry. What, is a, what about those non-Christian believers? What about those uh, who just don't believe any religion? Not believing religion, is that a religion all by itself? By not believing a religion. What is the level of freedom not to believe in any religion? What if the Christian teaching condemns abortion and a woman happened not to believe that kind of stuff at all when she pursued her own happiness without fear of resulting in an unwanted pregnancy? Is there a less restrictive alternative to a non-Christian believing woman when her state where she lives in bans abortion? So that Hobby Lobby, okay, I have talked about this before, is that I've seen so many, I call it jurisprudential incoherence. They are very incoherent because if a contraception is a federal question, this is not abortion. This is just to prevent an act to be fertilized. If a contraception is a federal question, how come abortion is not? Remember I said the last time, is that from the deceased Justice uh, Anthony Scalia to this uh, Alito majority in the Dobbs decision, these so-called uh, conservative judges, again, I don't believe them, uh, they are conservative. I just... I believe just by looking at their resume, they are just very, very deeply rooted in the Christian, even Roman Catholic teachings, okay? That, that's the bottom line. They are not conservative. Like I said, the original Roe v. Wade is decided by five Republican-appointed justices. You cannot say those five Republican-appointed justices are less conservative or less Christian. I think they are the same, but they actually got it right. Constitution do give a woman that kind of right. So when a contraception becomes a federal question, how come abortion is not? Abortion is always a, question, a, a federal question. The bottom line is that uh, Samuel Alito is just a perfect outer boy for the American theocracy to make it plain. Alito's line of thinking is the same with the proponents of the prohibition banning alcohol back in 1920, 100 years ago. Now, now after I read this uh, Howard Zinn's book called uh, The People's History of the United States, I mean, I cannot believe this kind of shit could actually happened 
being declaration of independence announced to the world and then banning alcohol. I'll tell you this, in Chinese culture, you can give a kid alcohol, uh, you know, at five. No one worries about a kid's turning into an alcoholic. Once again, I said, some people abuse alcohol, abuse marijuana, because they are depressed with life. There could be some legitimate reasons for people get depressed. That's why they need the marijuana. That's why they need the cocaine. You don't believe me? Ask Hunter Biden. Why he need a powder, uh, crack cocaine? He was depressed from time to time, I'm pretty sure. So I cannot believe a country declare its independence saying pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right. Now I have decided to say, no, 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 no alcohol. Right? So, so alcohol, tobacco, drugs are all mostly relaxants or painkillers. Drugs take you to an alternative reality, right? As for marijuana and other pursuit of happiness drugs, there's really no legal basis to prohibit them. Unless, you know, you know, you look at, again, the slogan of a war on drugs, just say no. Just say no. These three words is a religious calling. It's a religious calling. It is a religious teaching. It has no constitutional basis. You know, in fact, the creator of a Just Say No, Nancy Reagan, the first lady, she is a Hollywood actress, just like her husband. She knew her Hollywood friends were druggies. Who used the drugs most? Who experimented the drugs most? The most? The Hollywood people, right? We all knew about it. Have you uh, watched the uh, Johnny Depp? Uh, I did not watch, but I heard from my friends, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard Child, about both of them snorting cocaine. Nancy Reagan knew her Hollywood friends a druggies, and he, her, she knew that her friends in Hollywood got away from using drugs. No cops is going to knock on their door because they are, you know, celebrities, right? So, 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 and it is that to 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 ban abortion for a state, it, the state has to start banning abortion drugs, and that itself we will become a federal case. Because, you know, the, the, the women in those states can only come to a federal court saying banning abortion drugs is, uh, is against the Constitution. So they have to come to a federal court. That will, again, make this abortion issue a federal question, not as a legal majority and the, the, and, the, and the late just Anthony Scalia have said, insisted, wrongly in my opinion, that abortion is a totally state question. So... So with that, you know, I will end today's episode. I'm going to invite Byte to speak because I know Byte is an attorney. And uh, I also see Amanda. Uh, I would love to hear feedbacks and comments from a woman. Byte, feel free to unmute yourself. I have also invited Amanda.
Oh, by the way, I, I am totally cool with the listening in of uh, uh, opposite opinions because I truly enjoy uh, 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 a meaningful conversation on, on this kind of uh, heated issues. Uh, I don't get too hot. Uh, I usually want to reason with whoever disagree with me. Hey, Amanda. Good morning, Peter. I don't know if you can hear me because I don't know how good this headset is. Can you hear me? Hey, Amanda, you're a little muffled. A little muffled. Here's a bye. Hey, uh, you know, if July or Brandy wants to talk, just you know, do the call in. I know I will. Uh, I will take your call. Peter, I'm sorry. I was having headphone having headphone problems. Can you hear me better? Probably not. Has there you go, Amanda. Now we can hear you. Okay, thank you. I was having headphone problems. I'm still okay. Yeah. You know, I think I've got a bad connection. I'm going to call back in, okay, Peter? Because I don't want to. I think with the... Amanda, I can hear you fine. You sound good now. Oh, okay. So I I know part of it is my signal is crap. Your headphone. So. Uh, so one of the things oh, okay. that um, I was hearing was, um, so on the, whoa, how did I lose my page? I really appreciate you going into a lot of those issues because I think it's important to look at what is it, what is the purpose of any law that we're expecting other people to follow? Um, I'm just curious if you have um, if you have any um, knowledge of Dr. Carl Hart. No, uh, I do not. Sh 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 please share with us. Yeah, because so, in my opinion, abortion drugs is just like happiness drugs. Uh, it's it, it is no, nothing more than that. Go ahead. Right. I, I and that's a that's a kind of a separate issue. I just wanted to address the drug issue first, which is. Dr. Carl Hart, who's a, he's written a couple of books. He was recently interviewed on Brianna Joy Gray. And his, his take on, he's a neurophysiologist professor. And his take on drugs is that just like alcohol, maybe 10, 20% of people are going to have a problem with a certain substance. And those people, you shouldn't be legislating because 10 or 20% of the people can't handle their shit is kind of his blunt way of putting it, right? Mm -hmm. If you should mm -hmm. be legislating out of existence something that some people can't handle, you should be providing support for the people who can't handle that substance or for what, whatever substance it is. Regarding the abortion drug, I think you're right. That's like, it does seem like that's the next like logical step if we're gonna go that way. But I'm gonna say this. Do you think it's possible 
we could weaponize the insurance companies against the federal government to fight on behalf of allowing abortion drugs because it's much, much less expensive for an insurance company to cover an abortion drug versus covering a pregnancy. And then another. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm just, listening. I don't want, I want you to finish. No, that's fine. That was the end. I was just saying it's because they're making another customer too, right? There's another insured person. Yes. But, but the cost of of getting that person to living is is pretty high. So it's in the insurance company's financial interest. If the federal government won't give us Medicare for all, gosh darn it, let's use the insurance companies against them. Because it's in mm-hmm. their financial yep. interest to cover abortion rather than pregnancy. If a woman, if that's Correct. what a woman wants, right? Correct. Woman, I'll tell you this, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. So basically, uh, I love it because uh, one of the reasons I want to have this show is uh, inviting this kind of a suggestion of a creative ideas. I'm in the same boat, Amanda, is that uh, I don't want to spread too far uh, ahead is that like in the next episode, I'm going to talk about what if a, because a, a lot of physicians, not just women, a lot of physician providers are very scared of this Dobbs decision. Because they could be charged for assisting murdering an unborn child, right? So there is a collective commercial interest. It's saying this is nonsense. You know, basically this is nonsense. Yes, I totally agree with you is that there were commercial uh, 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 ways and means to counter that. Because I'm a strong believer in American people. Americans are the most creative, innovative people. Okay, you know, just think, of, you know, prohibition, uh, when they ban uh, alcohol, what happened? You know, and all that. The underground uh, railway, transporting slaves, fugitive slaves. These are all creative stuff. You know, they're all doing their day job and at night they do something else, you know, against unlawful law. You know, this is just, you know, fantastic. Y- yes, I agree with you because I think... A lot of physicians in the hospitals, they will be very concerned about their legal risk, not just the civil, criminal liabilities. And they literally can come to the Congress saying, look, you have to pass a law saying abortion is a medical procedure, a medical service. It's an intercommerce question. It's a federal question. And the Congress must allow that. Otherwise, we're going to charge you a whole lot more because uh, we are running a risk of uh, having a criminal and civil liabilities when it comes to this uh, 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 abortion issue. So like I always said, I, my first episode about the HIPAA is that HIPAA itself, the violation of it, can get hospitals and providers in trouble all by itself, right? So... So, so, so I, you know, I kind of, you know, I agree with you, Amanda, that uh, that this there is multiple ways of fighting against Dobbs' decision. You know, I said last time already in Texas, a woman is uh, uh, is cited for uh, on the H driving on the HOV lane, and then she said, "I'm pregnant with a baby, and that baby counts as, as an extra person." So I'm very sure there's a whole lot more litigation is going to come up. So. 
And, and I think that the Hobby Lobby is kind of an inverse mirror to, to the suggestion that I just made of having the insurance companies like fight for, for this situation because it's in their financial interest. Because it was, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. it, it definitely helped Hobby Lobby. The Hobby Lobby, you know, there's, there's, there's a pathway. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not, I've not got my words correctly in the good order so people can understand me if you know what I'm saying. But, but I think there's a pa that, that this could be a stepping stone on a path to Medicare for all if we could somehow find some head of some insurance company, big insurance company, health insurance company, to, to do that. Yeah, um, because the uh, Hobby Lobby is about uh, the uh, unreasonable expense that will incur to these prior, private employers if right. they are forced by the, federal, by the federal government to provide the contraception coverage, right? Because that's part of the court reasoning. Amanda, what you're suggesting is that using their game to beat them, basically, that's what you're saying. I agree with you, yes. Because the you know private insurance company can say, "Hey, if you're doing this, we're going to increase the premium, right?" And if the physician, the hospital say, "Hey, you're going to allow this, we're going to increase our fees charged to you for all services to women, plus the the, the HIPAA uh, protection work." So that itself, it just can make make it very very controversial, I guess. You know, yes, absolutely. Go ahead. I, I uh, so the other thing that I wanted to bring up and uh, is was about your discussion about the pursuit of happiness. So um, when I was growing up in California, in going, be, getting my good propaganda, you know, his American history in in elementary school in the 70s, and then spent high school with Ronald Reagan as my president. Woohoo! Um, you know. With, with all of that as a background, one of the things that, that I remember learning, and this could have been at college, to be fair to my college professors, that pursuit of happiness, it was, it was an editing choice because they were having trouble figuring out what word to put in there. And if you've ever written anything by committee, it's, it's a ginormous disaster sometimes. There's also one of the particular clauses is missing a comma that causes the meaning to be different. Like if you have a sentence like nice crack baby, if you put a comma in there, nice crack baby, that's a totally different sentence from nice crack baby, right? So a missing yes. comma makes a difference. Pursuit mm -hmm. of happiness, it was gonna be, this is what I remember being taught. I, this is not, I can't say this is true. This is what I remember being taught. That it was mm -hmm. life, liberty, and pursuit of property. Uh -huh. Yes, uh, uh, Amanda. So basically, is uh, uh, first of all, is this, I appreciate uh, the, before you say no. before you say anything. I appreciate the conceit of the show because I appreciate that that you're talking about pursuit of happiness and that that the Constitution is being treated like it's a literal document by the current Supreme Court. So I recognize that, and I'm not criticizing. The way that you're using it in this sense, I just was curious if you had that understanding also. Yeah, I appreciate it. First of all, no, you can criticize me in any shape or form you want. Okay, I I take criticism now. <laughs> Second is this: is that in my in the fifth episode, the last episode for the Dobbs decision, I actually like I said earlier, I use their game to beat them. I actually consider myself go by the words 
of how it's written. That's what they did. Because uh, uh, Amanda, you may not heard uh, my prior episode. I only briefly talk about it. Uh, that uh, Justice Alito used this uh, Sir Ma uh, Matthews opinion uh, about uh, quickening uh, during the pregnancy, right? But I find out it's remarkable that he actually will forget another famous British scholar who had a extremely far more influence on the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence. That guy's name is John Locke, L-O-C-K-E. No, no, no Supreme Court just even brought him up. And it was like, how dare you? Because I thought you were all originalistic people. And you, I thought you all be going through that. But no, my, my thing is this. The pursuit of a happiness, the, so the so-called property interest is actually coming from the pursuit of happiness. That, that, that's from what I learned. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel free to call in because you're a lawyer. Because I remember based on what I've read, there's no such thing as a property rights that are in the Bill of Rights. The, I'm told, I heard, I read that the property rights, which is probably the biggest rights for any individual in this country, is actually from the pursuit of happiness and, uh, and among other things. And uh, so, but, but I want to just quickly say, remind everyone, my problem is not about pursuit of happiness. My problem is that when the black people and the, uh, wants to pursue happiness by smoking some weed, they will be in jail, right? The so-called stop and frisk policy in New York City is just saying, you know, these uh, black pedestrians may carry one ounce of marijuana in their pocket. Therefore, we just pat them down, right? And all that. So, so it, my problem is, you know, I use the two, uh, word, uh, two phrases from the Declaration of Independence. One is the pursuit of happiness, and the other one is, all men are created equal. Right? So in this case, if a woman's pursuit of happiness involving not just using alcohol or marijuana, but using abortion drugs, for me, it's a part of the pursuit of happiness. Is that covered by the Constitution? If so, then is that a, a federal question? Then why you don't why don't you keep it in the Supreme Court? But 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 you send it back to the state for the state to decide. So that is, uh, you know, to me is that well the blacks and the Native Americans probably is entitled to use more alcohol and more uh, marijuana than the white people. But actually, white people use more. As, as a matter of fact, the proof is that the so-called war on drugs pretty much predominantly pursue the racial minorities which actually caused white drug users overuse and abuse cocaine, fentanyls, and all that. That's why you can go out and look for the older stats about so-called overdose death. In Pennsylvania, out of a, one out of a 16 deaths is racial minority. So 15 out of a 16 overdose deaths are white person not black person or Hispanic. Because I, I got this from a, a Drexel University a professor, not a law professor, biostatistics professor. She's an African-American woman. Believe it or not, I was shocked to know that an African-American woman attended Harvard University 
got a PhD from biostatistics and is currently teaching in Drexel University. And she provided me with that, that stats about Pennsylvania's drug overdose death. Great, great majority are white. Why? Not because, uh, because the, 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 the racial minority who use drugs are mostly incarcerated, right? That's why we have a mass incarceration. While the white population is allowed to use it. This is called a war on drugs. It's actually a war on racial minorities, as far as I'm concerned. So, so I don't know gonna... anything about about the constitution uh, about the constitution specifically, and I think you make um, uh, so part of part of the thing about the p percentage of deaths is is that is that relative to the ratio of of the breakdown in the in the in that state, like so, is ten percent of the population is African American or however they're designated in the state of Pennsylvania, and but then fifty percent of the deaths from overdose, or is it like ten percent of the population and ten percent of the deaths? Uh, uh, I actually, uh, I would just encourage you. Uh, you and others just to research that on your own, but because that's what I have read. Okay. I, I'll give you another example, okay? Because I was working with this uh, Jewish lawyer in Delaware, right? He used to be a, 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 like a, a prosecutor. So he, taught, he told me this story, I was laughing my ass off. So he said one day he went to the jail and they just had a roundup in this place, pretty high-end place called the Brandywine Country Club. They rounded up about probably 30, people who is smoking marijuana. And the funny part is that he observes that when they are incarcerated, they're put in a you know, temporary custody with the police and they are locked up all together in like a big enclosure. And so he passed by that enclosure and seeing them just talking and laughing, just like having a party. <laughs> so he know that all these young folks, mostly white, will have their parents calling their lawyers and all that, and they will be out very soon. So literally he observed like a group of people who just got arrested for using marijuana, is chatting and laughing in the county jail because they, are, they believe they will be out of the jail very soon. And so that is the way how the drug law is enforced. So, so no, that, you know, so I was like, okay, that explained it all. And, 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 and uh, a lot of those laws, they all in good Christian teachings name, right? You know, the Man Act, M-A-N-N Act, is prohibiting women and young girls being abducted across the state line. But it's actually created to prevent interracial dating. And because there's a famous boxer who is black, who was actually prosecuted under the law called the Man Act. So, so, but, but again, this show is uh, not about those uh, white privilege in the legislative branch or in the enforcement executive branch. The police brutality, of course, these are white privilege issues too, but I don't touch those only because of this. I consider judicial white privilege is the highest tier of all white privilege because it's the court who provided this thing called the qualified immunity to the cops, to the bad cops. 
That's why the bad cops can't get away with all kinds of shit, right? It is the judicial white privilege who say, okay, it's okay to treat Puerto Ricans as second-class citizens. They are not entitled to the SSI benefit. That's your very reason, right? It is also, you know, I consider Dobbs' decision a racial case. Also, this will be said in the last episode, in the fifth episode. I call it the, the Dred Scott once more, because I will explain why, despite the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, Dred Scott is still considered to be not a full citizen of the United States. Remember that Dred Scott actually, in one sense, is quite reasonable. In a sense, this. There is a slave clause in the Constitution. There is a slave clause in the Constitution. In fact, you know, the Native Americans, uh, they call it a, des a designated uh, savages, according to the Constitution. So what Dred Scott's decision said is not too far away from the Constitution. Okay, so from that sense, Dred Scott is not as bad as Dobbs' decision. I will explain why under the originalistic perspective, from the textual meaning of the Constitution, the Dobbs' decision is equally bad as Dred Scott, if not worse than Dred Scott. I think it's even worse than Dred Scott. And, you know, just remember, the Constitution did not define women's legal status, okay? For the Blacks, they are slaves. It's defined by the law. For the Native Americans, they are savages. It's defined by the law. For the Asians, there's no definition at that time, but it was later defined as a, quote, alien races, unquote, by the U.S. Supreme Court, okay? For the Puerto Ricans, it's, they are also defined as alien races by the Supreme Court. So when it comes to Dobbs' decision, when he talks about women's as a, as a, with the same legal status as a man at the founding of this country, that's what I'm going to say. Basically, yes, the original Declaration of Independence, Independence and the Constitution did not include women, did not define women's legal status. However, as of today, or at least as of the 14th Amendment, the women should be treated as an equal full citizenship as a man. And then we're going to apply all the maximum level of a, a man's freedom and see whether they should be applied to the maximum level to a woman's freedom. Okay, that is my, you know, the last episode about this. And, uh, and uh, I appreciate uh, your calling in, uh, Amanda. Byatt, anything else to say? Let, let me just one more time, because I, I, I really love to hear what Byte has to say. Okay, if not, that's okay. Yeah, uh, have a great rest of your Sunday. I appreciate you joining in, and uh, I will see you in the next episode. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.